Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I wanted to chat about rupture, repair, and possession. And I'm using this as a different kind of lens to look at those times when children get activated, when children have tantrums, when people get activated and people start reacting instead of responding to what's happening in their environment. And there's the more popular way that we talk about These times when they happen, we call them disorders. We say that someone is disordered in their thinking and feeling centers and that they need assistance due to that disorder, and we call those behaviors. You know, we center that around the word disorder, and that's how we name these kinds of reactions that people get into in cycles that they don't like. There are other ways to look at that, and one of those ways is through the idea of talking about them as complexes. And the first time that I came upon this lens of viewing those times when people are in patterns of behavior as complexes versus viewing them as disorders was through Carl Jung. And I feel like quoting a little bit from him here, um, and this is from his collected works on psychology and religion, and he's talking about what complexes are. And he says, it appears as an autonomous formation intruding upon consciousness. It is just as if the complex were an autonomous being capable of interfering with the intentions of the ego. Complexes do indeed behave like secondary or partial personalities possessing a mental life of their own. He writes about complexes in a variety of spots, but why I chose that passage in particular is because it has been my experience that oftentimes children and people, but let's talk about children, that children will appear like they are possessed when they are under these kinds of reactions that if a child is in a state of tantrum or in a state of anger or in a state of where they just get dysregulated and they start this way of reacting to their environment that when I see children who are in that state there are certain things that set them off that seem to activate this complex this cluster And that during that time when they're possessed by it, their whole being is taken up by it. They're just reacting to things from that state of the complex. If everything feels like a power struggle and they have to be defensive with things, then they just get that way with everything in their environment at the time. But then eventually they come to, and what I mean by come to is that they seem to have returned to themselves in some sense. And children often, when they return to themselves after being stuck in this complex say things like they're really sorry that they acted the way that they did or they feel really bad about themselves they feel like they're a bad person or they they just regret the things that they said and and adults do this too when we're stuck in something and we're reacting to something if you're having a fight or an argument with your partner or somebody else you can feel like you're possessed for a time you're not reacting or responding in the way that you want to and then when the fight or the argument is over Sometimes I find myself, or sometimes lots of people find themselves in a place of like, I can't believe I just said that to my partner. Or I can't believe 
that I was so immature about that, that I over, that I reacted the way that I did, that I overreacted. Like, gosh, what, what was it that got into me? But at the time, there's no real way to talk sense to a person who's stuck inside of a complex. And if we're saying that they're also autonomous, that's part of the young quote too, right? That they're these autonomous entities. They're not fused with us, that when they're activated, they have a life of their own. They have an orientation of their own. And that is why I can feel pulled at times when I'm with a child and they're that, in that place. I feel pulled at times to see them as being possessed. They seem like they're possessed. And that's a totally different way of thinking about it, at least for me. Because it reorients me to this reality of like, ah, I am not interacting with them right now. I'm interacting with an autonomous entity that is living inside of them, that is controlling their reactions, that the authentic child, the authentic being, is not in contact with me right now, is not in control of this child. They're being controlled by something else that's living inside of them. That's not them. And for me, at times, that feels like just as accurate of a way to look at it than to say that this child has oppositional defiant disorder or has ADHD or has, uh, you know, some adjustment disorder due to a life change. Like, that's all, that's one way to look at it. But this possession lens is often more helpful for me in sessions. Because when I started viewing it as possessions, then that led me down a little bit of a rabbit hole because I was like, okay, well, people in time and different uh, religious traditions have used the language of possession and have even a way of going about dealing with people who are being possessed. Now, they would say that they're being possessed not by a complex. They would say that they were being possessed by a demonic force. That's not too big of a jump once we're already talking about possession. You can see how I ended up down this rabbit hole. And so the question for me then became, well, okay, how did these religious traditions deal with possession? Like I became a little bit curious about, okay, so if I was part of a spiritual tradition and, you know, got a, it wouldn't be a call, it would have been a message and or someone running to my my uh, my parish or something and they'd be like, priest so-and-so, X person is possessed can you come and help them out like what we're, we're doing essentially a similar thing in child therapy at this point if a child is is uh being possessed by something really extreme that child is going to see a mental health professional in some capacity in the past maybe that would have been a priest and in my admittedly shallow research into exorcisms found a theme inside of these exorcisms and the theme or guiding principle seemed to be to call on a higher power, that you would not want to interact with a demonic force directly. You're not trying to engage with it. You are calling on something greater than yourself and attempting to channel something as the priest, as whoever, the shaman, whatever figure. You're channeling something greater than yourself in order to use the energy of that and use the power of that and that that presence of that greater thing will naturally dissolve the demonic presence or in our case, the complex. 
And crazily enough, if you are a child-centered play therapist, we already do that. We already call on the power of unconditional positive regard and acceptance, values and ideals that are greater than ourselves, faith in the child's ability to move through it, a belief that when they are seen and accepted consistently, that the power of that complex dissolves. And I feel like something that I got caught on occasionally and when I've trained people in child-centered play therapy that they've gotten caught on before is when we're, say, like all these examples of, okay, I've got this child in this room and then they're, they're not respecting these boundaries and they're, they're pushing limits all the time and they're like uh, refusing to do X, Y, or Z or they're doing this, that, and the other thing and what should I do? What should I do? And I think that's an important step in learning anything is figuring out what to do, right? Being able to have a manual of some options, some things that you can say, and places you can be comfortably, a structure that you can fit into. I think that it's valid and necessary to find that if you're trying to be a a therapist who is using a, a theory and applying that theory to your work. And I think also that regardless of what we do in those scenarios, that the most important thing is holding on to those ideals and values while we're doing whatever it is that we're doing in that situation. Holding on to that, like, I am channeling acceptance, which might just be another word for love. I'm channeling unconditional positive regard. I am channeling a belief that this child wants to be in harmony with me and be in harmony with this environment. And when I look at the language of possession, another thing that can help me take it one step farther is, you know what? I'm not even interacting with the child right now. I'm interacting with a complex. I'm interacting with an autonomous thing inside of them that's been activated. And when I'm speaking, I want to be speaking to the child, to their person, their true person. They're authentic person, not the complex. I obviously, like, like they are the complex right now, so it's impossible not to speak to that, and we have to set limits. But I want in my tone and in my, sort of in my being, to be communicating to their being and not to be feeding the complex any more than I have to. And I have also found that the, the more deeply and solidly I'm able to do that, in this scenario, say when a child is repeatedly pressing limits, pressing limits, pressing limits, like I'm still firm and consistent with the limit, but the more that I am able to speak to them on a deeper level and not the complex, and the more that I'm able to hold those ideals in my mind and hold the reality that this child wants to be in harmony with me, the more effective I am in terms of having those limits be pressed less and having harmony with that child and that it doesn't actually have anything to do with any of sort of the nuts and bolts and what's the right thing to say and we can get stuck in all of that stuff we can get stuck in sort of what's the right thing to say or you know like when I have a parent come to me from a beautiful place right from a place of wanting to have a better relationship with their child and for their child to be happier much of the time but coming in with maybe some anxious energy and like "Ah, I would like What's a, what's a strategy I can do? What's a thing I can do? What's, a, the, what's the script for me here? What's the script for me here? What are the magic words that I can say? That's not, that's not what they say, but that's sort of how I'm hearing it. What are the magic words that I can say to make this better for, our, for them and for me? 
And if we pull this back to exorcism, and exorcisms, you know, this getting rid of demons, this getting rid of possession, something that exists in lots of cultures, and there's lots of different ways to go about it. There's lots of different rituals for it. There's lots of different symbols you can use. There's lots of different deities that people would call upon. But what's in common is that connection to something greater. What's in common is giving up on some level. It's like, I'm not going to fight this on my own. I need to connect to a higher power. And that is what is going to help. And that is ultimately what I want personally to communicate to parents as well, that it's getting in touch with that deeper place internally. And from that place, there's, there's all kinds of words that you can, you can use. You can make it your own. You could be creative with the way you parent. You don't have to have to follow some script from a book like be you, but be you from a place of being connected to those higher ideals, especially in times when things aren't going well, but even when things are going well. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. But I think for us as conscious adults, it's important for us to be aware of what that feels like. To connect with someone from a place of unconditional positive regard, like how does that feel internally? How do we know when we're in that place? And more importantly than maybe also, how do we know when we're not in that place? Or how do we know our blocks from being in that place? When we're trying to be in that place, but we keep getting stuck on something. And then what is that thing? And it's our responsibility as conscious or at least semi-conscious adults to try to figure that out because maybe the specific words don't matter and the script doesn't matter and parenting books look different now than they did 30 years ago and 30 years from now they're gonna they're gonna laugh at our parenting books they're gonna laugh at our theories about human development hopefully not all of them but maybe some of them or definitely some of them and there, there's a continuation of effort in trying to help people who are possessed by something, who feel like they're out of control. It's in the field of mental health now. It used to look a whole bunch of different ways before mental health existed, and a lot of that was in the spiritual realm. But I think even though the words change with time and the beliefs change with time, and we use totally different language now to talk about people who are struggling, than we did then but what we still do and what still seems to work is calling on something greater than ourselves having a larger structure and perspective and having a belief that there is something good that we can channel that is going to help this thing dissolve and like with all topics on this podcast the goal of mine is not to have someone listen and be like, oh my god, yes, like all these things that I thought were disorders are actually complexes, and complexes are autonomous things, which means that people are being possessed. Like, if you sign, if that makes sense to you and you sign on to that, awesome, awesome. But even if it's just the lens, a different way to look at it. Like the next time you're around a child and they're a child you're working with, or if you're not a therapist, just, just any child and just notice when they get into these kind of reaction formation complex possession things where they're having a having a tantrum or they're just interacting with the world in a really defensive kind of way or a aggressive kind of way and it seems just very separate from them the rest of the time and then notice when they stop doing that and what they're like then and just what they feel like then and in my experience they just feel really different it's like talking to two different people and then with that same child, noticing when they get back in that space again and noticing when they're out of the space again and maybe resting in, just holding that lens of, I'm interacting with two different 
things inside of this child right now or this child look at them like they are they just seem like they are really overcome by something and maybe you don't have to use the language of possession and i i don't care what the words are but i think seeing it as autonomous complexes which is not like this way out of left field way to view things this is like the way that lots of people view what happens internally for people and it's uh it's the language that that young uses in his work and why i think the lens is helpful is because it really is tragic to me if what we're saying is true or semi-true about these being autonomous things these complexes that often that gets blended together for an individual into one thing we, we don't talk about it with kids or with people like it's two separate things and then there's this belief on the part of the child like i'm just bad i'm a bad person i do bad things i don't think this is helpful for me to say to them that, that we we get to this place and in their own way that they need to go but what i want to say to them in that moment is like you're wonderful and you also have this other thing inside of you that takes control sometimes that things things around you it, it, it touches it and it gets activated and it, it takes the driver's seat you know that movie inside out is really good for things like this i think with those different emotional complexes taking the taking the driver's seat inside of the brain if you haven't seen inside out it's a it's a really lovely movie and but that but but all of that to say like it's not you child it's this other thing that's in you and you can notice that thing when it's there you can listen to that thing maybe it has a message for you but but we can work on having you be in the driver's seat getting messages and not having that thing behind the wheel of your mind or in charge of your mind the whole time and and i I think that that does naturally happen in therapy a lot of times for children, that we, when we interact with them from that place of these higher ideals, calling on something greater than ourselves as individual people in order to help this child, that that does the work. That helps them. We're speaking to them. We're not speaking to the complex. On a deeper level, we're always speaking to them. And that allows that part of them to grow. It allows that part of them to be in charge and receive messages and not be taken over by these complexes. And for anyone interested in exploring the idea of complexes further, I think that so much of Jung's work is really illuminating on the whole idea and has uh, you know, helped me understand human nature a lot better and then come up with uh, you know, ideas like, like this one for a podcast. And so I, I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you, as always, for listening. Um, and thank you to Steph for um, being the second person who's donated to my Patreon. So I, I really appreciate it. It warms my heart. Uh, and this show is brought to you in the spirit of the gift. It is free like all other podcasts. But if you would like to support Playtime, um, you can go to patreon.com slash playtimepodcast. Or there's a support the show link in the show notes. And if you are interested in seeing more of my work, head to barnettchildtherapy.com. I've got some child-centered children's books up there. And be in touch with me if you would like to be. I love hearing from people. And yeah, I'll catch you all next time.